This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. When I saw that Pema Chodron was coming to Omega, this retreat center just outside of New York City in 2020, I was beyond thrilled. Pema always puts things into perspective for me, and she is undisputably one of the great experts on kindness in our time. So what does this have to do with dance? Many of Pema's teachings relate to our dance lives, too. Not as directly as the fabulous interviews that I usually do with belly dancers, but what I will share in the next 30 minutes could drastically change your experience of dancing. Pema Chodron is a realist, a nun with children and grandkids, and she also followed this controversial Tibetan spiritual teacher in the 1960s named Trungpa Rinpoche. Trungpa Rinpoche, you may have heard of the movie Crazy Wisdom. He drank. He had sex with his students. He was not what you usually think of as a monk. But boy, did he have some amazing wisdom to share. And this comes down a lineage of monks, not just one person. Thousands and thousands of years of teachings. And that's what Pema is also communicating. She knows how to meet us where we are. She transmits these teachings so full of warmth and in a way that we can understand in our modern Western minds. So clear. Pema is 84. Tim Olmsted joined Pema to teach us all. He's a superb meditation instructor. And he often brings stories from his 12 years living in Nepal into his meditation teachings. So they taught together. What I'm going to present here is what I learned from both of them, Tim and Pema. And it's just an honor to share what I learned from them, especially because I know you will be touched in a way that will make the world a better place for all of us. And I apologize if my own words and interpretation misrepresent Pema or Tim. I do not have the vast training or experience that they have, but I'm not going to let that stop me from sharing the path to kindness and I'm going to share it in the words that I remember them saying but it might not be exactly what they said some of it will be in my words too but all of this is coming from their teachings and Pema has written a wealth of amazing books so if you want to get her words directly it's very easy to find her on YouTube one of her most famous books is called Getting Unstuck another Don't Bite the Hook she talks a lot about anger if you like what I present here go straight to the source and hear it directly from Pema Due to COVID-19, the retreat was moved online, and the theme was shifted to welcoming the unwelcome in honor of the pandemic. In addition to coronavirus, the fires raging on the west coast of the U.S., racial injustice and police brutality finally on the national agenda in America, and our chaotic minds, all part of the event as well. So here are 11 dance lessons that I learned from Pema Chodron. Number one, collaborate with the world. Sometimes when us belly dancers are dancing with a veil and it's stuck in our face, if we resist it, it looks a little messy, uncomfortable for the audience. But if we have a costume malfunction or a prop malfunction and we collaborate with that, we work with that, it's just a beautiful demonstration of rolling with it, of collaborating with the world. Healing comes from relaxing. Stress comes from resistance. But wait, so does collaborating with the world mean that we accept injustice and stop resisting? Great points were brought up about the Black Lives Matter movement and expressing anger. There are so many different ways to create the changes needed in the world. But isn't fighting important? For example, isn't it important for our bodies to fight off disease? One participant asked Pema, and Pema pointed out that even in our bodies, we might actually not be fighting disease. Our cells may be dancing with the disease, giving it warm attention, not pushing it away. We can pray for wisdom on how to bring power to the powerless. That wisdom is inside of us. We just need to get out of our own way and relax with awareness and it will come and we'll know what to do. 
not just respond reactively, which is what we do a lot and what we see a lot of in the media. And there's a place for that, don't get me wrong. But this is another way of living that brings about kindness and compassion. And it is possible. I know it's not as straightforward as a raw emotion, but it is possible. We all have biases and prejudices. If we try to get rid of them, they will stick around. I don't know who said it, what we resist persists. I love that. What we resist persists. If we give our prejudices warm attention, they will become unstuck and melt away. Crazy thought, right? Especially if we identify as someone who resists. You know, if it's our identity, that's even harder to get through, right? And we all get triggered. Even Pema. Even the Dalai Lama. I know I get angry. <laughs> I got a lot of fire in me. And when I can notice that and get curious about it, I don't need to fight the anger. I can collaborate with it and ventilate it. And it may seem even bigger when I've trained myself to be aware of it, to acknowledge it, but that's part of the path. And this process will help me cultivate compassion for others when they get triggered too, because I'll get it. I know what that is. I've taken a step back and looked at it. Wouldn't that be nice to have compassion for others when they get triggered? rather than getting triggered ourselves. When my three-year-old refuses to put on his pants <laughs> before leaving the house, I've often thought that it was funny to use my robot voice and say, resistance is futile, but it always felt a little wrong. Now I can say, let's collaborate with the world and see how that goes. How can we collaborate with the world right now? Meaning let's put on the pants and then go to preschool. <laughs> But it's more of an invitation than a choiceless situation. Number two, enjoy what I have. Everyone has something to delight in nearby. The sky, a flower, our hands, a memory. It doesn't even have to be a material possession. It doesn't have to be perfect. One woman that participated in the event raised her hand, you know, via Zoom, and asked Pema if she would like to see the blue sky. Pema said yes. And we all looked at the blue sky together for a moment out of the camera of the woman's laptop. And then the woman shared that she was what you would call the mentally ill. Her difficulty with life was really clear, but she found comfort in animals. She had a bunny living in her house. And Pema encouraged her to send warmth to herself, to hold her bunny. And the woman asked if she could send warmth to others in the world who were in a similar situation. I mean, this blew me away that this woman is suffering so much and she still wanted to send warmth to others that were suffering like her. Even with this chaotic mind, she could still find enjoyment and see that she has the ability to share warmth with other people and not just be a person who is messed up and a victim, you know? She had a very different way of looking at it. It was amazing. And there was a school teacher who asked a question. She was feeling guilty about taking the time to do things like read Harry Potter when there was so much injustice in the world. As dancers, there may be times when we feel like dancing is selfish, but what if dancing improves our mood? What if it helps us generate compassion and warmth and kindness and gratitude? What if it connects us to the world? What I got was that guilt is not an emotion that helps. If I feel guilty about enjoying something because there is sorrow and pain in others, I'm just adding to the negativity. And gratitude is absent from that feeling of guilt. If I want to help others, I will focus on generating compassion, kindness, and warmth, and appreciating what I have, enjoying it. Number three, learn how to hold difficult feelings and not panic. Good one, right? There was a woman who talked about the grief of losing her husband. And Pema said that grief is always there. That's okay. It's fine. Allow the grief to be there. What will change is that that grief will lose the power to stop us. Tenderness allows things to move. Harshness keeps things stuck. 
and healing comes from relaxing. Stress comes from resistance. Be comfortable with the discomfort because it will stick around until it teaches you something. I love that one. I think Tony Robbins says, get down on your knees and pray for problems. It's problems that shape your soul. Something like that. I just, I just love that way of thinking about challenges. Teach me something. These are all different ways we can approach difficult feelings. And they even talked about burnout in a way that I haven't heard before. Pema said, even burnout itself is not problematic. We can acknowledge, okay, this is what's happening. I'm burnt out. Then we can get curious. What are the causes and conditions that got me here? How does this matter in terms of the future? My burnt out state, how does it change my future? And if we keep the quality of warmth towards ourselves and others and get curious, we can learn so much. As dancers, we experience jealousy of other dancers sometimes, right? Self-doubt, imposter syndrome, right? About our abilities and our value and anxiety about performing. Even the most famous dancers I've heard of getting pretty anxious before performing. And that's okay. Allow those feelings to be there. If we do that, these feelings will lose their power to stop us from dancing. We don't need to resist them. We can acknowledge them. We can allow them to be there and keep dancing. The funniest part is that we are innately confident and we don't tell ourselves that. We don't rely on that basic part of humans. I mean, watch a child choose their clothes. They're very happy to strut out in public with completely mismatched and strange clothes, you know, complete with snow boots in the summertime and they did their own hair and put on some eyeliner on their cheek you know and ice cream smeared all over their face they feel good they're doing their thing what can we learn from that so i'm going to do a little review one collaborate with the world two enjoy what i have three learn how to hold difficult feelings and not panic number four soften to what i cannot control This is a great one for dancing to a live band. You sure as hell can't control a live band. <laughs> I've never been able to. <laughs> Musicians are going to do what they feel. And so are the other dancers on the stage if you're in a troupe. So softening to that. Softening to where the audience is. And if you have recorded music and there's a problem with it, softening to that. If you drop your sword, we can soften to it. It will be a very different experience. Probably one we'll enjoy a lot more and the audience. Have you ever watched a dancer terrified on stage? It's fine if you're terrified and you start off the show terrified. But if you can soften to it and let me see your dance and let me see your heart, it's magical. Ego has different meanings in different languages, that concept. Ego can mean that it's a reflex to just hold something without having to. Reflexive but unnecessary holding. Holding onto something or someone as if it's unchanging when, guess what? Everything's changing all the time, right? In the spaciousness and warmth, all good things happen. When our minds are tight, even small things can be very disturbing. Tim Olmsted used this great example of a Siberian tiger. If you saw a Siberian tiger across a football field, you'd get curious. Whoa, what's a Siberian tiger doing over there? How'd it get here? If you saw that same Siberian tiger walk into your cluttered, claustrophobic office, it'd be a very different experience, right? You'd panic. There's this tightness. When there's not spaciousness, there's tightness. An agitated mind sees an agitated world. This goes back again to the soften to what I cannot control lesson. 
Pema used the example of hail coming down and we tighten our faces, but it doesn't protect our faces from the hail. It doesn't stop the hail. We're just in resistance or we're in the dentist chair clutching the armrests. It doesn't make anything hurt less. It doesn't make us feel any better. We're just in resistance. So how can I soften to what I cannot control? It's helpful to notice when I'm not softening and be aware of what is actually out of my control. Because uh, there are a lot more things that are in our control than we think, especially the story of our life. We can shape that and tell that however we want, regardless of what happened. I mean, you could tell the truth, but you're not going to tell everything. You're going to pick out the points that you want for the reasons you have. So with the spaciousness, we can create that inside of ourselves when we meditate and soften. Number five, I can only help others if I feel authentic compassion. If you're a teacher, I bet your students will stick around a lot more and feel much more open to your feedback if they can tell that you feel compassion for them while you're teaching them that you understand where they're having difficulty and understand what they might be feeling. I've taken lessons with teachers that I thought were just hammering information into me and didn't really care if I actually learned it. I didn't go back to those teachers. And I honestly don't remember anything they taught me, but I do remember how I felt in their class. And it wasn't good. I love this. Never assume that a person wants to be the way they are. Never assume that they chose it. Never assume that they're proud of it. How deeply can I commit to my own happiness? Because if I can commit deeply to my own happiness, I will be connected to everyone else's happiness. And how interested can I get in my very own suffering? If I can get deeply interested in my own suffering... I'll be interested in everyone else's suffering too. And I'll see how mine works. When I feel authentic compassion, I will see people in the world and I will know them. This happened today when I was walking down the street. There was a man, I was watching him approach and I started making this whole thing up in my head. Like he's not going to give me space on the sidewalk and he's not wearing a mask. You know, it's COVID time. And I just stopped myself and I thought, I know this man. I just felt like I knew him. I just felt like I knew him as a human. I've never seen him before, but I just felt warmth toward him all of a sudden. Before figuring out what to say to others, figure out what I can say to myself that will open my heart. Yeah. And also figure out what I can say out loud that will open my heart. Have you ever had a disagreement or some irritation with a person that you danced with? I have. (laughs) I'm going to try working on what I say to myself that will open up my heart before I say something to them. First go inward, right? This confusion, this confusion is a mind turned outward. I spend a lot of time working on the outside of my body, washing my hair, choosing my clothes, doing Pilates, putting on jewelry. Imagine if I spent the same amount of time conditioning my mind. If we have something to prove, there will always be disappointment. Stay with the pain and stay with our hearts. There's more sameness in all of us than there is difference. Our dance vocabulary, a huge chunk of it, we all share. We are much more the same than we are different. We can look at anyone we see and say, just like me. 
They want to be happy and fulfilled, just like me. Our polarized politics in American culture right now are misleading. It's misrepresenting of humans. I mean, what questions can we ask that bring us back to our sameness? Don't get me wrong, I love all of the differences that we have as artists, as individuals, as families. I love those things. It makes the world a beautiful, beautiful, and exciting place. But we're very much the same in a lot of ways, right? And when we dance and train our bodies, we can also train our minds. We can bring relaxed awareness into our dance. That's actually one of the keys to dancing with a live band and becoming the music is to relax into it. Stay excited, energy level high, and relax. We can be relaxed and have peak energy at the same time. Think of when you're dancing 100% from your soul. Think of that time recently when you were doing it or in the past when you didn't have to think. Your body moved as if a graceful muse had taken over. Being relaxed does not mean low energy, but it does mean giving up the resistance. Number seven, there are three different types of meditation that we can practice. Just like dance drills, choreographing and improvising help us in different ways. Here are three kinds of meditation that can help us in different ways too. Analytic, imaginative, and relaxation. Don't worry that I'm going to go down a road of crazy terms. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to present these three different ways of cleaning up our minds. And this distinction was really helpful for me. And I'll have an example of each. One is analytic meditation. It can be as simple as a body scan. Just going from head to toe or wherever you like in your body, whatever pattern you like, and say, what's going on? Is there pain or tension or pleasure or nothing? Whatever it is, it's not a problem. But it sure is helpful to notice where we're holding tension, experiencing pain, and feeling pleasure. Just noticing. Nothing to fix. That's one example of analytic meditation. Then there's imaginative meditation, which can involve sending love and warmth to others, like I talked about with the woman with the bunnies a few minutes ago. For example, this is going to be the word that you may not have heard before, tonglen. This is definitely a practice that you learn from a master, so I'll just give an overview, and you can go deeper with Pema if you want to. Tonglen is a practice of taking in suffering, sometimes from others, sometimes suffering that's in yourself, and giving it space inside of you, and then releasing it as light, giving it relief. Tonglen is the very first meditation practice that I've ever encountered that showed me the clear path to compassion, the way to actually walk the path to being a compassionate being. I don't know why it's taken this long, but it really hit me. And I'm describing it here in case you're also looking for a practice that could bring you onto the path of compassion as well. You lift the burden up, that difficulty or pain that you want to focus on, you breathe it in, take it inside of you. It's intense. Yeah. You don't have to start with a really hard one. You can start with, my dog is hungry. The suffering of my dog when it's hungry and I'm just about to feed it doesn't have to be something horrible to take in, but you take it in and you breathe it out and give it space, this vast space internally. Breathe in again and ask, what is called for? And this can take about five minutes, this whole process. What will it take to relieve the suffering? Breathe out, give that pain whatever is called for. Some say you take the suffering in like you're hit by lightning and release it as a flash of light. And suffering can be a pattern or a situation or a fear. It can be specific or apply to a large group of people. 
could be something you're experiencing. This is a really powerful meditation not to be played with. And Tim suggested that we only do it for a few minutes and once a day, you know, that kind of a thing. Relaxation meditation makes it possible for everything to be a friend to you as you wake up. Waking up meaning become aware. So everything you hear and taste and see. Shamatha meditation, this calm abiding was one we practiced and it's like an old man or an old woman sitting on a park bench watching children play. Open awareness. That was how Tim described it. I didn't like the terms old man or old woman, but I knew he chose them for a reason so I'm keeping them here. This is the first meditation practice where it was recommended to leave your eyes and mouth open. You know normally when I meditate I have my mouth closed and my eyes closed but Tim recommended that we keep our mouth slightly open. Tim's mouth looked like there was a tiny pinhole right in the center of his lips. Back is vertical right you're sitting up and you're breathing regularly and that's it. You just become a container for whatever arises. Relaxing deeply into your mind. Nothing to do but relax and when you get distracted You just come back to your mind. No judgment, nothing to focus on. Just relax deeply. Contact awareness and remain uncontrived. You get distracted again, come back. Acknowledge and release whatever thoughts come up and then return to the relaxed mind again. And there are supports. I love how he called it supports we can use throughout the day to come back to the present moment. Like the feeling of our body against the chair we're sitting in. The color of the paint on the wall, the sound of the electricity in the walls, or the birds, or another noise that we hear far away or near us. No need to have an opinion about any of it. We just hear it, or feel it, or see it. And when craving and aversion comes up, we just notice it. I like that color on the wall. I don't like that color. That feels good. It does. It just comes up. Notice it and then just come back to being completely and deeply relaxed. This method of meditation was new for me and I was able to relax more deeply than I have in a really long time. Imagine how differently you would dance if for 10 minutes before you danced, you use this relaxation meditation. You would hear more of the music. You would feel more of the music. I know I would. I'm going to try it. Just relaxing. Nothing to do. Distraction comes. Come back. Come back to relaxing deeply in your mind. Just like if you get distracted when you're dancing, come back to the music. And I like the idea of intentional relaxation. Because I'm an extrovert, intentional relaxation usually involves alcohol and live music. But I don't really have the live music part in my life right now. So this was a really great new tool for me. And it created much space in my mind. A true gift. Number eight, I will continue to make time for whatever I decide is meaningful. If dancing is a meaningful part of our lives, we will find ways to keep doing it. It's not a struggle. It's deeply important to us, so we make time for it. Even when we're not that disciplined or pushing ourselves to improve, we still benefit from dancing. I will continue to make time for whatever I decide is meaningful. That's just how it works, and meditation is like that. Just sitting on a meditation cushion each day, regardless of the quality of our meditation practice, is a step along the path. We're distracted, monkey mind, not doing a great job meditating. You still meditated. If your intention is to make yourself warmer and the world a better place, it makes your life meaningful, regardless of the quality of your meditation. When I started my meditation practice about 150 days ago, when I started it back up, I was very forgiving to myself. 
I meditated in bed next to my son if he woke up in the middle of the night. I wasn't sitting straight up, but I was awake and I was creating a habit. Now when I wake up, I meditate. Sometimes my three and a half year old son meditates with me, which is so precious to have your child meditate with you. Oh my God. It has become automatic and joyful. That part of my morning, my morning ritual. And I look forward to it. No matter what comes up in the meditation, I look forward to that opportunity to just relax and sit and be. And it helps me work with the patterns that distract me from my basic goodness. We all have this amazing basic goodness in us, but we've got all this other stuff on top of it and in the way. I want to see patterns. That's a skill I value very much in my husband. And I'm hungry to see more patterns in myself and my life. Meditation helps with this. And meditation will not always feel good. And when it doesn't, it shows that our minds are transforming. Meditation practice goes up and down. It's smooth and rough. It cleans the lens through which our mind sees. Tim used a great example of a telescope. You clean the lens before you look through it, right? Taking the time to clean our lens just makes life more vivid and beautiful. When we work with the monkey mind over time, it can become a tame elephant. That's a cool one, right? Number nine, choose to spend more time in the challenge zone than in the comfort zone. The comfort zone is totally important. The time I spend just sitting and holding my three-year-old or holding my husband is invaluable to us. But we're not learning a lot, you know? User-friendly technology, instant food, cozy transportation, they're all great. But they don't teach me much. When I figure out how to do something complicated in my business or make whole food from scratch or take a 20-hour bumpy bus ride through rural Laos, then I'm learning things. And that's me in the challenge zone. When we take a dance class, we are asking the teacher to move our body in a way that is new to us or unfamiliar to us. When we say yes to a performance that will challenge us, we grow. So consider the thrill of mastering a new dance move or dance style. It's not the result of staying comfortable. It's not the result of not trying. That comes from moving and thinking differently. It comes from spending time in the challenge zone. Being comfortable is overrated. Being comfortable is not my goal. Being challenged and learning definitely is. And this comes from a person I've spent a lot of my life being able to choose. Do I want to be in the challenge zone or the comfort zone or the trauma zone? I've been able to choose that. And I know a lot of people haven't had that same ability to choose which zone they're going to be in. But I'm choosing the challenge zone more. It's a really wonderful way to spend a meaningful life. Number 10, build a culture of fearless listening. This was huge for me. The filter I create in my mind is thick. There was a quote I saw when I was younger. I don't know where it's from, but it says, I don't want people walking in my head with their dirty feet. Uh, When I really internalized that, I was about 16 and I just stopped watching TV and I honestly haven't watched TV since then. I just thought that the TV was invasive and that it was just too many messages that I didn't sign up for. So I just stopped listening to it, stopped watching it. If I think that someone is complaining or being a victim or being stuck in the story they created in the past, I've stopped listening. And when I do that, I'm not giving them the experience of being heard. And I'm realizing that right now. Like, I don't need to take it all in, but I also don't need to be so selfish that I can't listen to people when they are going through a lot. Even if they might have created it themselves and not realize it, doesn't matter. A lot of people need to be heard. I don't need to collude, but instead of trying to recommend a book or trying to fix my family and friends, 
I can just listen to them and be compassionate. I'll tell you what, I really wish I could listen to you. I really wish I knew what you were going through and what lights you up on the dance floor and in your life. What makes you want to dance? I would love to hear that. That's coming from my heart. There are many dancers online now that we can pay to give us feedback. This is so valuable if we can listen fearlessly to the feedback, never defending or feeling attacked, just listening. I can be open to another person's anger without feeling attacked by it too. Even the anger. And the anger can be expressed from the heart. Even if there's poison in there, I don't need to eat the poison in order to get what this person's going through and listen and be there for them. This is all part of focusing on spending time in the challenge zone. All right, number 11. You guys ready for the last one? Become friends with myself as I actually am, not who I strive to be. I've pondered the term self-love for a long time. I've tried to become better friends with myself by doing workshops and seminars and retreats to improve myself. See, I was trying to fix myself. But until now, I never really got the value of allowing myself to be just as I am. Monkey mind, messy hair, Helpful soul, angry mom, grateful guest, critical wife, calm meditator, drunk dancer, fiery, fiery woman. These are all me. It's just like the weather changing. Beating myself up is abuse. When I catch myself in an old habit that I don't like, I don't need to work to be someone else. I can just lighten up. I can soften to what is inside of me. My own propensities, my own habitual way of being and the way I was born under the stars. I can soften to what is and the changes that I am seeking will come. Or they won't. It's all fine. For example, as dancers, we look in the mirror a lot, right? We look at all these pictures of ourselves and videos of ourselves. And there are certain things about that that we hate, right? Imagine watching a video of yourself making that face or a photograph making that face that you wish you didn't make or holding your hands in that way that you wish you didn't. And just loving yourself for that. You can always soften, soften to yourself, acknowledge it, and try something different later. But we can nurture ourselves in ways that we didn't even imagine possible by just softening to who we are, everything about who we are. Everything we do in life is some attempt to have less suffering and more happiness. Try that on. I mean, we can screw it up spectacularly or we can stop resisting and just upgrade to get what we want. What do you think? Could you imagine if you could internalize half of these things? How much nicer we would be to be around, to dance with, to live inside of our heads? So I hope that there are some gifts in here one or two things that you can take into your life and enjoy or feel deeply giving yourself that warmth that you really deserve. There were all these great mantras from Shanti Deva, and I created one of my own modeled after. May the frightened be free of fear. May all who are afraid to dance be free from fear and dance freely. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on aliciafree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.